0: now it's actually registering the call. (laughs) Great start. Okay, cool. Okay, so David, really nice to meet you. Um, How are you this morning?
1: I'm excellent. A little (laughs) tired, but doing well.
0: Did you have a good night last night? I did, yeah. (laughs) Um, So we're here in Miami. You've got a pretty big day ahead. Like you're going to be talking, right? In 40 minutes. Um, What? inspires you and motivates you to get up in the
1: morning yeah i think that um so for me it's all it's it's often difficult to see the, the work that you're doing every day is actually having like a material material measurable impact and i think in our world which is small business finance uh we're really moving the needle in the context of mexico and it's something that we see and we feel every year that we've been at this and I think that you know getting up every morning and you know going through the ups and downs of any entrepreneurial journey at the same time recognizing that you're actually changing the way that small businesses uh, over the past many years have the ability to access financial services in the context of a major market I think is 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 inspiring and it's motivational so I think that you know you sometimes gotta you got to kind of open your aperture uh, and realize you know even the difficulties for example you know we're all living obviously in a challenging moment for any growth stage company the fact that we're actually executing on and having an impactful uh, yeah that our business is having impact is you know very important for me Mm -hmm. yeah no I can imagine
0: you guys are doing amazing work at the moment Um, when did you realize that this is what you wanted to do and dedicate your life to it?
1: So I've worked in Latin America for about 15 years mm-hmm. and I've been based in Mexico for seven or eight. Uh, so I have a long, I would say a fairly long professional personal personal connection to the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, my prior, um, in my prior life I was involved uh, in more of the non-profit space, uh, working specifically in designing an ESG monitoring system for the energy industry. and. I realized as through that the role that small businesses play in kind of economic growth and I really got excited about it and I saw what was happening in the U.S. in terms of how technology and data were being used as a transformational force to support access to financial services and to credit and it was very much clear to me that uh, you know the role in Latin America uh, for technology and for data was very similar and I think that's really what got me motivated and you know got me going
0: yeah how um, you've been running for a few years now what's the biggest uh, impact that you have seen that you guys are having
1: so when we started the business if we would have ever imagined that we would have bought a bank I you know I think it would have been at that point in time kind of like it would have been like a cute joke yeah Uh, and you know four or five years into our journey that's what we did and I think that is like there's no better kind of example of how the market has evolved uh, than that you know so we started as you know a challenger or a disruptor uh, to the traditional banking system given that they they were not properly uh, supporting small businesses Uh, and we've now kind of went on the other side of the spectrum where we've actually become a bank and are now really innovating from within and for me that's incredibly gratifying and it was one of the best decisions that we ever made given how given the stability that a bank and the ability to take deposits gives to an overall platform such as ours.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are the biggest challenges that small businesses are facing right now?
1: I think the biggest challenges that small businesses are facing today and historically is just the volatility and the availability of finance. So you know, banks will create programs, other financial institutions will create programs to support small businesses. It'll maybe go on for a year or so and then economic conditions will change and then it will disappear. So there's not really reliable partners that you know you can continue to go to throughout the evolution of your business and that's really the, that's very much the, 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 the gap that we're trying to fill. We want to be here today, tomorrow, and in 10 years, and we want to continue to offer products and services that support businesses in real in real ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, your, I really liked your business mission, uh, to empower Latin American businesses to achieve their potential by enabling access to innovative financial and technological solutions. Um, I thought that was amazing and, like, I think you guys are really making a lot of headway with that. Um, I mean, you started very much focused on increasing access to credit. Uh, Has this been a particular sticking point for SMEs, do you think?
1: Yes, I think that, you know, in the context of Latin America financial inclusion and access to credit is really like the day-to-day challenge that so much so many of them face. Mm-hmm. We started with credit. So there's if you look across Latin America, you look globally, different fintechs have taken different approaches. Some of them start by selling, you know, accounting software or they la- they launch an ERP and then they subsequently offer credit solutions through that means. In our case and in the context of Mexico, the real pain point was credit. Mm-hmm. So we began with credit solutions. So we have about a, a four or five product suite or that we call like a multi-product set of solutions for credit, you know, secured and unsecured loans, um, factoring, leasing, uh, we recently launched a credit card. So that's, that's, the, that's for us the driver and then we've subsequently then once you're have what you're engaging with an SME and offering them credit you can then offer them bank accounts and checking accounts you can then offer them financial planning tools etc so every business kind of goes about the problem in a slightly different way but for us credit was the driver and the sticky product that we saw was really the most top of mind for the clients
0: mm-hmm I, I was actually covering a talk yesterday on credit in Mexico okay um, and I was wondering how do you guys underwrite within that context because it sounds like pretty Matt, It sounds difficult
1: <laughs> to do that. Yeah. So I think it's a. So it's. I think it's one of the things. The answer to that question is one of the things that got us most motivated and excited by the Mexico opportunity, which was in 2014. The Mexican government, shortly after Chile, implemented a digital tax uh, and digital e-invoice uh, transformation in the Mexican market, where they basically digitized the entire. Uh, uh, all B2B transactions Uh, and we were one of the very early companies that developed the technology to be able to harvest that invoice data so the first thing that we do in our application process is uh, an SME obviously gives us basic information on themselves and their business and they give us access to uh, the repository that they uh, can grant permission to on all of their inflows and outflows as their tax data. So when people historically think of Mexico or historically think of Latin America, they generally think, oh, really poor data quality, very informal, really hard to understand financial and credit risk. Mm -hmm. Through invoice information, it's been a completely transformational force in Mexico, and I would argue over, really across Latin America. And Mexico, uh, I believe, was the second country after Chile in order to implement that, and we were, Uh, one of the I would say like the early innovators in doing that Uh, and then we also acquired a few years ago a company called Visor Mm -hmm. which was the other kind of market leader in that space so in order to properly support small businesses and really manage risk we one of the critical kind of factors in the Mexican market is developing the technology and tools that leverage this e-invoice information on average a small business has about fifty to sixty thousand individual Mm e-invoices Uh, and we have you know let's see between 540 and 600 million unique invoices in our database today wow. so it's a yes I would call it uh, I think the word transformational is appropriate in yeah. the context of small business credit specifically for b2b interactions
0: mm-hmm. and your clients how have you seen them react to this kind of having access to this kind of stuff
1: it requires uh, Definitely a level of reciprocity and trust Mm -hmm. between the financial institution and the borrower because the borrower or the client is giving access to very confidential private information but when they know that there's a reputable organization or company behind it and they know in our case that we're a bank uh, and they know that in exchange for that information they're going to get access to affordable products we found that it's something that people are very comfortable doing. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can Im- imagine that you're changing a lot of lives <laughs> with this. Um, going back to like the full kind of scope of your products, um, what effects do you hope providing this infrastructure will have on the SME market as a whole in kind of Latin America and
1: Mexico? Yeah, so Mexico is going through a very transformational moment. Again, I'll use that word again because mm-hmm. I think it's applicable in this context. Um, so you have, you know, pretty strong economic growth in Mexico. You have nearshoring where you have a significant relocation of manufacturing and other large businesses that were perhaps previously in Asia that are now moving to to Mexico given its proximity to the United States which is a major market. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is I'm incredibly bullish and excited about the Mexican market, the Mexican economy. However, one of the Probably the biggest economic challenges for Mexico is financial inclusion is so dismal in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So if you look at you know loans to as a percentage of GDP in Mexico versus Brazil, it's like almost half. Right? So even though Brazil is a larger economy, the, uh, the cr- credit penetration in the Mexican market is incredibly low. I think the World Bank estimates that there's like a $500 billion credit gap mm-hmm. in Mexico. So, for us you know we're solving a problem that is very top of mind both for us but it's also top of mind for SMEs or small businesses in a day-to-day context and I would argue that it's top of mind you know for government uh, and and, 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 and other you know other regulators given that it's really an inhibitor to economic growth if not properly managed Mm -hmm. so I think for you know for us you know we're very, very excited about what's happening in Mexico, Uh, you know, 2008, 2009, Mexico actually managed the financial crisis quite well. Uh, COVID, I think you saw a lot of kind of the entrepreneurial spirit in terms of the flexibility, in terms of how people adapted their businesses. And I think Mexico is coming out of COVID in a pretty strong way, uh, particularly with you know the increase of you know nearshoring, and more economic activity, and businesses that are coming to Mexico. Whether that's you know auto plants or you know other manufacturers.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, the underbanked nature and kind of lack of financial inclusion in Mexico can be solved by? businesses like you um even though you're focused on the SMBs um fintechs and all that do you think it can be solved by that or do you think there's other things in play that need to happen in order for that to
1: yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a combination of many factors. I think we are not the solution. We are, I would say, an element or a part of the solution. So you need credit providers who, can, who are willing to take risk and who have the technology. So I think we've spoken about invoice data and how that was a real enabler in terms of facilitating financing. You need institutions that have the capital and the willingness to lend to small businesses and take that risk. I think that there are also considerations that are outside of credit in terms of creating like an overall ecosystem where there are other you know fintechs are playing and there are other you know digital products and there's other digital infrastructure that's also just making it generally easier for people to get access to these products Mm -hmm. so I think credit is I would say kinda like one leg of the stool but you also need uh, you know other you know you you need institutions and you need the infrastructure and the technology to continue to support it so I think we're moving the needle Uh, you know and I think that we have the capacity to I think I actually kind of make a dent in the financial the challenge of financial inclusion but we're not gonna be able to do it alone we're gonna need a lot of other market participants to support it
0: yeah yeah no I I definitely understand what you're saying Um, have you noticed any changes already with what strike that i'm gonna i'm gonna edit that out because you've talked about this um what excites you most about the year ahead then 2023
1: so in the last 12 months the mexican financial services market has gone under it's there's been some of the most change that we've seen in the last 15 to 20 years Mm -hmm. uh some of the 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 largest non-bank lending platforms many of them actually went out of business. Mm -hmm. Um, So you would think that the world, that this is an example, sometimes, you know, one step forward, two steps back, where you have, you know, you you think we're really making uh, a major, again, financial inclusion is starting to be addressed, but then you have situations like 2022, where some of the largest players in the market are no longer active and are no longer extending credit. Most of these are traditional players. um, And that obviously created a huge amount of volatility because you had investors who became concerned about the market fundamentals in terms of why this happened. But in our case, it also created a huge opportunity where there's you know, literally hundreds of millions of dollars of credit that was going into the Mexican market that was going to small businesses from these providers that's no longer there. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like a generational opportunity. This is something that happens maybe every 10, 20 years when you have a reset in a market where major participants basically overnight disappear, and new participants are going to have to fill that demand and fill that need. So what excites me most is the fact that, you know, unfortunately this happened, but for us it creates really this this pretty unique situation for us to kind of fill that void. And hopefully we're positioned to be able to do that.
0: Okay. Well, I think so. <laughs> I, I'm bullish on you guys. Um, so. What's the best piece of advice that you have been given that you would give to other people?
1: Let's see. Um, proper preparation prevents poor performance. So if you you know if you go into you know the, uh, a mentor of mine said that you know the five P's. So it's again it's it's it almost it's a little bit of a joke, but it's very true in the sense mm-hmm. that you know if you approach every situation you know in a you know a, a, in, in the most prepared way possible, I think you'll be mes- best suited. To kind of be able to, you know, navigate that situation.
0: Okay, I like that. I'm gonna take that. <laughs> um, and now, okay, we've got our curveball question, uh, which I do at the end of every single interview now. Um, so, if you could invite anyone, dead or alive, who would you invite to lunch?
1: So my, in my prior life, so the the irony is I haven't probably, I haven't taken a math or a physics course and probably, you know, I don't know, or a finance course for that matter, and I don't know, since, you know, since high school. So my passion before... Uh, starting Covalto was actually anthropology Uh, and that was what kind of uh, I'm probably like a frustrated anthropologist at heart so probably the person actually would be someone named Dr. Paul Farmer he wrote a book called Infections and Inequalities he unfortunately passed away recently and he really innovated the field of public health and really developing kind of really you know uh, new solutions specifically in Haiti and a number of other uh, African countries um and yeah so he i think i did never have the opportunity to meet dr paul farmer but that would i read a lot of his literature and a lot of his books and he's someone who definitely inspired me you know uh you know at an earlier part of my life that i would be excited to uh you know meet
0: i'm sure it would be a very interesting conversation <laughs> um okay well that's everything thank you so much for your time um if the listeners want to get a hold of you um where can yeah get you? the
1: easiest is my email is david at covalto.com so okay. david at c-o-v-a-l-t-o dot com and always open to interesting conversations or opportunities
0: okay well thank you so much for your time um and have a great day and good luck on the stage thank you so much
1: yeah. do you mind can we We will you ask me a few of the prior i was the, a few of the first questions I think I feel like my I was like my brain wasn't functioning exactly <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. early it's yeah. early
0: uh, yeah sure yeah. Um, you have
1: say, just, what w- were the what,
0: what gets you up and motivates you to get going in the morning or yeah, later the, than that uh, when did you realize you wanted to found a company that focuses on small? Yeah, business?
1: maybe can, can I do the first one again? Is that okay? You, the
0: what gets yeah, you, you up in the morning? Can you edit
1: it or is it better? Is it gonna oh, be? Oh, absolutely. D- okay, absolutely. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm getting rid of some of what okay. I've said. Sorry. Okay,
1: yeah, maybe if we could do like the first two and just see if if not if it doesn't come out better, we can just.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'll just stop from yeah. the beginning saying hi. Yeah. So, hi, David. Um, How are you doing? Um, So you've got a pretty big day ahead at Fintech Nexus, LATAM. Um, You're talking the stage. What gets you up in the morning and motivates you to get going?
1: Good morning, it's uh, great to be here with you today. And uh, no, for me, I think we're We are solving a challenge that is, you know, absolutely critical for small businesses and for the Mexican market. And what excites me and gets me up every morning is the fact that I actually feel as though we're having a tangible real impact in addressing that problem. We started the business in 2015, it's been seven or eight years, and we've become a major dominant player uh, in the small business finance, SME finance space in the Mexican market. And I feel as though, particularly in the last two, three years, we're really moving the needle in terms of solving a problem that is top of mind for so many small businesses uh, and other, uh, you know, other participants in the Mexican market.
0: Mm-hmm. When did you realize that you, this is what you wanted to do?
1: I have a long history of working in Latin America, so I've been for about the last 15 years and I've been in Mexico for the last seven or eight. And I think through that time spent uh, you know, in the Mexican market, it became clear to me that traditional financial, traditional financial institutions, specifically banks, uh, were so focused on kind of corporate enterprise lending and, uh, as well as the consumer segment. And everything in between, which we call the missing middle, mm-hmm. was basically uh, not being addressed because uh, incumbent institutions didn't have the technology uh, and they didn't have the risk profile to properly serve that market segment. Uh, and it was really through that kind of aha moment that we realized uh, you know how big the opportunity was from an economic point of view, but also the impact that we could have as a company uh, in mexico.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm interested. do you think that fintech is the driving force for that kind of ability to do that then, if technology was a factor for incumbent banks?
1: No. I think it's very much a combination, so I think technology uh, and particularly the new availability of data, uh, specifically e-invoice and digital tax data, which was implemented in Mexico in 2014. I think it's a combination of technology and systems and and infrastructure combined with risk management uh, and really, you know, uh, capital markets. So, you know, technology on its own can't solve the problem, but bringing together uh, relevant technology with, um, in in our case, a banking platform, those are kind of like the two uh, I guess the two elements that make it possible
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: think banks they have the capital but they generally lack the technology and many fintechs have the technology but they lack access to the sufficient capital to do it so if you can solve those two things that's really where I think you can unlock um, you know you, you you can unlock solutions uh, in the Mexican market
0: mm-hmm. do you think this is particularly critical for the Mexican market and Latin America or is it something that could be a, is applied and is relevant to the rest of the world as well.
1: Yeah, I think Latin America and Mexico in particular is kind of like, I would argue it's like ground zero for financial inclusion and uh, the credit gap. Uh, given that you know, um, you know I, I think you know Mexico has approximately half of the credit penetration on a loans to GDP basis that Brazil does, uh, and that's the case in many other Latin American countries. However, the issues in Mexico are also very real in other emerging markets. You know, I think uh, many of our investors and financial backers also have portfolio companies, for example, in India, and it's rem- it's in- it's very 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 interesting to see the overlaps and the similarities between the challenges that businesses face and. The solutions that are being used in the Indian market, for example, compared to Latin America. So mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's it, this is this is these are real problems that affect people and businesses on a day to day basis. That you know requires, I think, you know, people taking risk and people finding kind of innovative solutions. And I think Mexico is a great case study of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you want to do more questions? Uh, will you just
1: asked me the the Paul Farmer one, the the last oh, one. Oh, the last one. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so we've come to the end of our questions, but I have one more for you, which is the curveball question, um, random question. Uh, if you could invite anyone, dead or alive, to lunch, who would it be?
1: So prior to co-founding Covalto uh, in 2015 my interest and focus was actually in the field of anthropology okay. uh, so and maybe one day I'll become an anthropologist again <laughs> when this uh, you know when this journey concludes yeah. uh, so the person that I would most enjoy sitting down with would actually be an individual uh, named Dr. Paul Farmer, he unfortunately passed away recently, and he was a major innovator in the field of public health, uh, particularly in developing economies uh, such as Haiti uh, and a number of other countries globally. Uh, and he's someone who I had, you know, the opportunity to read a lot of his books and a lot of his literature. Uh, and he's really kind of one of the, f- you know, founding fathers of the field of medical anthropology. And it's something that I'm about and very different than fintech or you know a financial services with the financial services space and someone that I would have loved the opportunity to have some face-to-face time with
0: oh, well it's a shame that you didn't but I hope that you realize your dream of becoming an anthropologist as well <laughs> um, well thank you thank you for your time
1: thank you so much It was a pleasure
0: and then we've got the rest of it so.
1: okay great was that okay
0: that was perfect thank okay. you so much sure um,